Thank you for tuning in to our podcast recorded live each week. Now sit back and enjoy the award-winning Tony Sanders Outdoor Show. Tighten your life vests, wrap into your tree stand, and get ready for the award-winning Tony Sanders Outdoors. Your source for outdoor information, education, and entertainment. Now, here are your hosts, Tony Sanders and Rob Pratula. Good morning and welcome to Tony Sanders Outdoors. Glad you're joining me this morning. As you can tell, Tony Sanders is out, but he has left me the keys to the radio station. So I am going to try my best to fill in and fill the shoes of the namesake. So I have brought in an expert. I have brought in someone who knows a lot about reptiles, amphibians. So if you got any questions, give us a call, 267-1023, 267-1023. Paul Eric Backlund, how are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Glad All to right. hear you're up and at him this morning. I know this is not a normal time for you, but uh, I do appreciate you coming in. You are our resident herpentologist. All right. Well, so, happy to be here. So we will pry your herpentological knowledge. And uh, I know you and I were talking just before we started. You said you're kind of busy this time of year. You are an instructor That's over right. at UTC. And uh, you got to post finals and post grades and do all the averages and mark up. Yeah, I, I have no idea what, you, what, what you're going through <laughs> right now. Yeah, it's busy. <laughs> yeah, this time of year. A lot of people love, you know, ask me why I don't get out in the turkey woods this time of year. And I don't know, I don't know if it's me or... I have this theory, and I, I think it relates to education. Uh, January is the beginning of the new year. So, you know, January, everybody's registering for classes. Everything's really, really busy. And then February kind of goes down a little bit. March goes down. you got spring break. Everybody's relaxed. April, it starts amping up again. And then right at the end of April, May graduation, it gets crazy. So it's like a reverse bell curve. Yeah. That's so right. it's like it's like crazy at the beginning, a lull in the middle, and then crazy at the end. And unfortunately, uh, I know you don't hunt, but turkey season is we're right in the middle of turkey season right now. And I'm grading papers at home on the weekends and stuff like that. So I don't know if you're kind of the same way doing the weekend work. Absolutely. You know, and I, I can relate to that on a certain level, too, because this is the time of year when a lot of you know, reptiles and amphibians are emerging, and I want to be out on the weekends looking for those, but, you know, stuck inside grading stuff. Speaking of emerging reptiles and amphibians, um, we get a lot of calls from turkey hunters who, uh, this is the early spring season. Uh, hunting pretty much ended in February. There was some small game stuff, um, and there's stuff that's open year-round. There's a few things that are open year-round, crow, and uh, I think crow and a, a couple others are open year round where you can hunt them but you know the big seasons ends but the real beginning is turkey season starting in march or usually late march going all the way through april and like the first couple of weeks of may and we get a lot of our turkey hunters out there who get out in the woods scout for turkey sit down get get all set up get their blinds set up or you know get their decoy set up whatever they're using and then they get a visit from mr no shoulders Sure. Who uh, decides to come by. And um, I've, I've heard a few stories. I know uh, Don Osi told me a story about where he had uh, pinned a snake while he was guiding somebody, uh, but there were turkeys in the field. So he was trying to pin the snake 
away from the guy who was trying to shoot, and the guy who was trying to shoot was uh, a little concerned about the pin snake. <laughs> so um, what kind of uh, – why, why? I mean, obviously it's uh, the days are getting longer, the temperatures are coming up. Why are we getting an emergence of reptiles and amphibians this time of year? And when, and when do they go into a stasis period? Um, well, so that's, that's kind of a, a, a two-part answer, I guess. So they're, they're starting to emerge now, and actually they have been emerging um, for, for several weeks now. So they don't, they don't technically hibernate like, like we think of um, other animals that, that spend some time underground or in shelter during the winter. They do a thing called brumation, which is not, um, it's not as uh, set situation like we have with uh, hibernation so basically what we mean by that is is if we get a warm day during the winter they may actually emerge to bask a little bit and so they're not they're not totally asleep all winter long and so once we start getting you know many days in a row where the temperature is suitable for them they'll start coming out and basking and then maybe start looking for um, food and that kind of thing and uh, we've been in that situation for a few weeks now so uh yeah, you can you can expect to hear a lot more things, and frogs have been calling for for a while now too. I noticed that, and a lot of people. That's one thing we'll get into a little bit later. But um, a lot of people say, "Oh, I hear the crickets outside." Yeah, you know, crickets are crickets, but a lot of times what you hear are those tree frogs. Mm-hmm. And from I've seen them, you know, I've seen them run across them a few times. They're very interesting little creatures. Oh yeah, they are, and they make so much noise for being so small. I mean, they are tiny. Yeah, they're exceptionally tiny. I mean, what, a couple centimeters? I mean, you know, about what would you say, like two or three centimeters? Sure. Well, you know, we've got we've got several different species of tree frogs, and and some of the some of the first frogs that start calling um, in the spring are the chorus frogs, and then the spring peepers, and those those are um, pretty small little frogs. And then you know, of course, then later in the season you can get these amazing choruses of, of many different species. We've got 20, 21 different species of frogs and toads in Tennessee. Um, that's across the whole state. But, oh uh, you know, even in East Tennessee, we have uh, a few less than that. But it's, it's pretty amazing if you're out at a wetland in the middle of the night, you hear, you know, just, just this amazing chorus of all these different frogs. It's pretty cool. I, I mean, people know about, you know, when they hear a bullfrog, they know what that sounds like, that kind of roll. Mm-hmm. But that kind of buzzing hum that you hear sometimes late at night, you know, some people say, oh, that's, you know, some buck. Those are frogs. And I figured that out real quick one time because um, I was out in the middle of nowhere and we kept hearing this and I started walking around with a flashlight. I kept seeing frogs everywhere. And they were these little itty bitty little, little itty bitty frogs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm sure they were looking for love in all the wrong places too. So, I mean, you know, they're calling to, you know, they're singing to get a mate, I guess. That's that, right. I mean, you know, they're saying, hey, hey, baby, come on over here. Well, and what's interesting, too, is they all have their own distinctive calls. And so if you get good at learning these frog calls, you can you can pick them out kind of like how you you pick out bird calls. Huh. Um, and, and, you know, from place to place, region to region, even the same species, they have slight dialects. It's almost like an accent. And so if you were to listen to, you know, a chorus frog from East Tennessee and then look, listen to the same species of chorus frog from somewhere in Alabama, you may be able to tell minor differences. So they've got, yeah, kind of, kind of little accents, frog accents. <laughs> okay, we, I, I, I've just had a lot of things run into my mind with frog accents because I'm sitting there <laughs> thinking, you know, you know, French cuisine, you know, you got the French frog, you know. Right. So, 
So I, I take it you're not a big uh, a big fan of, of French cuisine because they do use a lot of frog legs and stuff like that. Or... Well, you know, um, frog hunting is sustainable on on a certain level, um, and you know that's that's allowed in most places. And I actually I had frog legs for the first time. Um, I guess a couple of years ago, I just I felt like it was something I had to try. As you know, I, I study I study amphibians, and so I figured I you know I needed to know what they tasted like, um, and it was okay. I I don't know that it's something I'm in a big hurry to repeat, but uh, yeah, it's all right. It wasn't bad. No, it wasn't bad. Yeah, I mean, most people don't. You know, if you don't if you didn't know what it was, you probably would have thought, okay, this is a little tough, but you know, not kind, not kind, bad. Kind of like fishy chicken. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a very that's a very good. That's a very good uh, analogy on that one. Uh, fishy chicken is 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 a lot of things, and I think that's where our minds go if we don't know what it is. We relate it to something uh, that we do know. Um, but if you got any questions about uh, amphibians or reptiles, we're going to be talking all morning. We do have some other news. I've got uh, news. Uh, Tony gave me a call uh, about what they discussed at the April commission meeting. Uh, Tony was out in West Tennessee in Paris, and if you follow Tony online, uh, you should. If you don't, Check him out at Tony Sanders. Uh, he was out doing a little crappie fishing on, I think, Paris Lake out there. And uh, he had a lot of fun doing that, but it looked really, really windy. we got some wild outdoor news. We've got two poaching pinhead news uh, pieces. So stick with us as we will go forward. But we are talking to Paul Eric Backland, who is our local and resident herpentologist. So we will be talking more about Anything y'all want to talk about. But in the meantime, uh, I saw this story, and I thought it was rather interesting. If you plan on spending any time out fishing, the, you need to be careful. because, And even, you know, even if you're out hunting reptiles and stuff like that, you, know, you get cuts, you get scrapes. Be prepared with a little first aid kit or something, and when you get home, be sure and wash out the infection or, or the... Uh, affected area. Uh, a minor fishing accident led to flesh-eating necrotizing fasciitis on a gentleman's hand. It was a small hook prick that, you know, it was just something that you get while you're fishing. You know, it happens all the time. You prick yourself with the end of the hook. When he was fishing in the Gulf of Mexico, he, you know, hooked himself a couple of hundred times before. He was a big fisherman, but he noticed these black blisters that started to appear, and then his hand began to swell to about three times regular size. Uh, doctors determined that the antibiotics were not cutting it, so he drove himself to the emergency room, and the doctors informed him he would need immediate surgery or he might lose his whole arm or possibly worse. Uh, within a few hours, they said it would have gone up into his chest, and he would not have survived that. Uh, necrotizing fasciitis is rare and deadly. It is a bacteria that is responsible for causing infection that enters the body through the smallest break in the skin and spreads from there. Uh, he, after treatment, everything was successful, and Mr. Walton is looking forward to getting back on the water. But uh, I saw that story, and I know a lot of times when you're out in the woods, you get cuts, scrapes. Just when you get home, make sure you take care of those so you don't get something like this because... I've been noticing a lot more stories about uh, infections from water, uh, specifically water. Um, so just be careful out there this weekend. Don't get cut, and if you do, be sure to clean it up well. Do you carry a first aid kit when you go out hunting, I do, yeah. hunting for amphibians? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's advised. Do you carry a snake bite kit? 
I don't because snake bite kits are largely ineffective. Um, there's there's not really any good ones on the market. Um, so yeah, the the so, the advice is just to try to get to a hospital as quick as possible if you ever. So you're telling me the Duke was wrong <laughs> when he tied the belt around the girl's arm and sucked cut across and then sucked out the vent. You're you're telling me John Wayne <laughs> lied to us? Is that what you're telling me? Well, you know that might have been the best available information back then. But, uh. <laughs> what movie was it? Oh, True Grit. True yeah. Grit. That's mm-hmm. what it was. Yeah, where he he tied the belt around her arm and then yeah, yeah. There's I I've I've heard about snake bite kids. I've never carried one, but you know I think we'll we'll go over uh, with our ex, our resident expert here uh, after we get back from the break. We'll go over what the best course of treatment for that is, but. I've always heard remain calm and get to a hospital. Don't, don't, don't tie a, a tourniquet around the arm and cut extra holes to get bleed out the venom. And yeah, it yeah that doesn't really work. So we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that when we get back from our first break. Uh, so that being said, are we we ready to go to our first break, JD? Thank you, sir. We will be right back. You're listening to Tony Sanders Outdoors. Like a good neighbor is not just a saying. It exactly describes my friend, Rodney Allen. For nearly 20 years, my family has relied on Rodney for all of our insurance needs. He's been there when my kids were learning to drive, when my wife had been hit by a few deer, and when I needed life insurance to protect my family, as well as when my grandson was born. As you can see, he's not just our agent. He's part of our life. Rodney Allen, 423-847-3881. Like a good friend, Rodney will be there for your family too. 423-847-3881. If you're looking to target your product or service to the outdoor community, Tony Sanders Outdoors can help. Nearly one-third of the radios are tuned to Tony Sanders Outdoors on Saturday mornings from 5 to 7 a.m. Whether it's a recorded commercial, live reads, remote broadcast, or product endorsements, Tony and Rob can help. Give us a call at 423-280-3677 to discuss your advertising needs. Tony Sanders Outdoors, your outdoor advertising solution. 423 423- Are you a member of the National Rifle Association? If not, why? No other organization in this country fights for your rights like the NRA. In the current environment, our rights under the Second Amendment are being attacked every day. While we in the South may feel comfortable, that is not the case all across America. The NRA is taking up the fight for you, and you need to be a part. Join over 5 million men, women, and children who are members of the NRA. Go to TonySandersOutdoors.com and click on the Join NRA link. Don't wait too late. Here come the ducks, hit the high baller. Welcome back to Tony Sanders Outdoors. Glad you joined us this morning. You want to be a part of the conversation? Give us a call, 267-1023-267-1023. We got in trouble for saying give, di- dial us up because nobody dials anymore. <laughs> I'm old enough to remember when the phone redial was And then if you messed up, you had to start over again. Uh, got Paul Eric Backlund, our resident uh, herpentologist in the house. So if you got a question for Paul, give us a call, and we will try and answer all kinds of questions. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. I wrote down a whole bunch of notes, um, and I know uh, we can get into a few of these species here in a few minutes. But 
well, we do have a call. Let's go ahead and talk to Jason. Jason, good morning. Maybe. Hang on. Top. Thank you. Jason, good morning. Oh, Jason, that was my fault. Apparently, that was my fault. Do what now? All right. I, my fault. Sorry about that. Buttons are not toys. I'll, I'll handle the, uh, okay, the answering you. for you. Thank you, because I've got it way over the heck over here. Uh, Jason, please call back. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'll learn how to use a phone. You know, phones have been around for a long time, and, you know, hitting buttons should be fairly easy. But uh, is that Jason? Yeah, go ahead and put him in. Thank you, sir. Good morning, Jason. Sorry about that. Hey, Rob. That's all right, man. How you doing, sir? I'm good this morning. I was calling. I was going to call and talk about trout fishing, but you got me thinking about frogs. So, well, hey, we, fro- we can talk both. I got a frog question for you. Uh, okay, not for me, but go ahead. Well, <laughs> yeah, for for your studio guest. All righty. Hey, um, I, I had to call at five twenty in the morning, so my wife don't hear this. But <laughs> I, what would be a good way to attract certain reptiles? To your yard, I live out in a rural area, and, you know, as long as they're not rattlesnakes and copperheads and stuff, I'd like to have a few snakes around the house for rodent control. Um, and then as well as frogs, you know, y'all are talking about tree frogs. My mom's got tree frogs around her house, and I love the sound of those things at night. Mm-hmm. So as far as attracting them and, you know, not having them in the house, but around the outskirts of the yard and stuff, is there any thing like you know like bat boxes to get bats or you know things that you can do to attract certain reptiles and keep them around yeah there there absolutely are um so i'm glad you asked that because i've actually done some of this stuff at my house um so yeah there's definitely things that you can do to um, improve your the habitat around your house in favor of reptiles and amphibians and one of the things you can do specifically if you're trying to attract snakes is they love artificial cover items. And so what I mean by that is stuff like um, tin that you'd see on the, the roofs of barns or the sides of barns. And so if you have any, any spare tin somewhere or can pick some up, um, if you just lay that out flat around the house, you know, it heats up in the sun and snakes like to crawl under it to, uh, to stay warm and there's also higher moisture content under there and so it helps them shed when they're getting ready to shed and so that will absolutely attract snakes but you can you can also you can do the same thing with um, pieces of plywood or um, you know sections of old carpet Um, and so it's not a terribly you know appealing thing aesthetically but uh, yeah that will absolutely uh, attract snakes so and okay. and you know for those those that are trying to avoid having snakes around their house, I know that's a concern for some people. Cleaning up the yard and and putting wood piles further from the house and not having you know um, debris piles and that kind of thing in the yard will reduce the amount of snakes that you have too. Because ultimately, like if it attracts rodents, it's going to attract snakes too. Right. Okay. Well, you know, I know a lot of these these critters get out at night and they do their they're prowling and hunting and stuff. And um, I just, I was looking for a way to, you know, try to, and I, I don't have a big problem with rodents, but, you know, there's the the mice that come around and gnaw on things. And rather than putting out a bunch of poison that's going to poison the mouse, that's going to ultimately poison the, the owl or the hawk, 
I thought, mm-hmm. you know, I'd, <clears throat> if you could get some um, snakes around, you know, kind of at least, if nothing else, just make the mice think twice about, you know, taking up residence well, I, around I, your place. Absolutely. They, they, they absolutely serve an, an important role in the ecosystem, and I think you got the right attitude about that, so I, I appreciate that. Cool. Well, thanks, man. It's good to hear you. Yeah, thank you. You bet. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for calling. Well, that was a really good question. Yeah. What about leaving like a little, uh, if you've got a property, like leaving some taller grass on the edge, mm-hmm. like a little bit further out, you know, just a little bit taller grass so they've got some place to hide, not, you know, cutting it real nice and, you know, maybe, I don't know, put out, I like your idea of putting out uh, maybe some wood structures out there where that, you know, something where they're like, get a log, you know, ho- kind of hollow it out and then just kind of set it out there to where they can get up under there like a little little cubby hole thing or something like sure. that. Sure. I think that, you know, I think that would really help. And, and you know, as you said, they're like nature's mouse catchers. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a cat, I guess. So uh, you can always have a snake. So I, I don't think I'm going to convince my wife on that one. But, <laughs> um, yeah, no, they're, they do, like you said, they do play an important part in the ecosystem. Are, and because they, uh, because Jason mentioned it, it, let's say we poison a mouse, that poison goes up the food chain. Absolutely. Are and I'm assuming then most of your reptiles and amphibians are kind of indicator species for the health of an area, be it poison, be it a toxin, be it uh loss of habitat or something like that. I assume these are a are a readily available indicator species. Absolutely, especially with amphibians. Um yeah, there's there's many salamanders that that we consider to be um, environmental indicators, uh, bioindicators that uh, tell, like you said, tell us something about the ecosystem, um, and that's especially important um, in in wetlands. You know, we the presence of certain species can tell us about the health of that wetland, and if that wetland's not functioning properly, that has a direct impact on. It can have a direct impact on human health too, because we rely on wetlands to properly filter our water. Um, and so, yeah, they, they absolutely do function, like you said, as bioindicators. Now, uh, he was wanting to attract snakes, and I know a lot of people don't want to attract snakes, <laughs> and we just had a little conversation. Some things work and some things don't. Let's say somebody does not want snakes in their yard, clean it up, have it real nice, and no place for them to hide. And a lot of these chemicals that you put down for keeping snakes out really don't work. Right, they don't work at all. Just despite the claims on the bottle, they are um, pretty much completely ineffective. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. They they really don't do anything except uh, you know pollute the environment. Really, they're they're not uh, they're not terribly environmentally friendly. One thing that you'll hear people suggest from time to time is to put mothballs out, which uh, which is which is problematic on more than one level, and it doesn't deter snakes at all. You'll see. You can see pictures if you Google this. You can see pictures of snakes curled up on top of the piles of this snake repellent, or on top of mothballs. Like it, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't really work. Well, is it because they? Is it the ammonia? Or I mean, is, are they impervious to it, or do they just? It doesn't just. It doesn't phase them. What? It just doesn't seem to phase them. Um, you know, some of this stuff has uh, like a high concentration of cinnamon in it and then i think the thinking is that uh they they find that objectionable but they just don't seem to (laughs) okay so the easy way to keep snakes out of your yard is to clean it up and and keep your 
grounds well trimmed and and no place for them to hide and you won't have snakes. Yep, and patch up the holes on the sides of your house. Okay. <laughs> well, no, that makes sense. And we're going to get into the uh we're going to get into the envenomation issue. Okay. Uh, we'll get into it. We'll probably get into it again. We'll probably get another call on it. But the thing to do is remain calm because that slows your heart rate and does not spread the venom as quickly. If you can, put on a constricting band, not a tourniquet, but just something to help, again, slow the progress and get to the emergency room. That's pretty much it. That's all we can do. Yeah, and there, there's even some research that is showing that um, putting a constricting band uh, may not even be the, the right move, too, because that can kind of concentrate the venom in one area and potentially exacerbate, like, the the effects of the venom. So really the, the most important thing is is just to get to a hospital as fast as possible. <clears throat> Do most hospitals have uh, anti-venom available, or is this a is this such a rarity to be bitten by a poisonous or a venomous snake that, uh, you know, they don't carry it on? I mean, your bigger hospitals may, but like a rural hospital may not. Um, they pretty much all should. So, so we're lucky in the sense that the the two venomous snakes that we have in East Tennessee are are treated with the same antivenom, um, and so it's uh, yeah, it can it can be used for for any of our North American pit vipers really, um, and yeah, so just about everywhere sh- where should have that, including vet offices. If if uh, if dogs are bitten, most vet offices also carry it. I didn't even think of that, but that stuff does has have a shelf life, so it does yeah, it has to be replaced if it's not used and mm-hmm. goes bad after X number of months or weeks or years or however long it is uh talking about the venom species in tennessee if i'm if i'm correct we have the timber rattler the pygmy rattler the copperhead and the cottonmouth that's it that's it okay west tennessee has timber rattlers pygmy rattlers copperheads and cottonmouths east tennessee has timber rattlers and copperheads yep we do not have cottonmouths around here we do not. Okay. I'm getting that from somebody who teaches in this area. Now, I know everybody and their brother is going to call in with a story saying, oh, I saw a copper or a cottonmouth on Chickamauga, you know, 10 years. More than likely, if, I'm, if my memory serves, it was probably uh, a banded water snake. Now, there's one out there that I know about. It's a diamondback banded water snake. That's the patterning on it. And it looks evil and big and mean and but they're they're harmless right they're aggressive as heck but they're harmless right I, yeah i don't know why but I, every snake i've come across on the water has been aggressive but they've all been banded uh water snakes we'll get into that here uh, when we get back from our break but uh, i want to talk about our venomous species here in tennessee uh, if you want to give us a call, give us a call, 267-1023-267-1023. You're listening to Tony Sanders Outdoors. We will be right back. Well, last year we had a bumper crop when them white oak acorns started to drop. So many I twisted my ankle. Babies Fertilizer in Cleveland, Tennessee are the experts when it comes to lush green lawn. If you're a homeowner, Babies has everything you'll need for preparing and maintaining your lawn this spring. They can recommend products designed specifically for this area and provide you with the knowledge to have the lawn that will be the envy of all your neighbors. Don't go buy a bag of something that may or may not work from a big box store. Babies has years of local knowledge and knows what will work in this area. Trust the local experts in fertilizer to assist you with your lawn. 
make your neighbors really jealous. Call Beatty's. If you're a lawn care company owner or are on a landscaping crew, Beatty's can formulate special blends for your customers by the pallet. Your customers will be happy with the great results, and so will you. Call Beatty's for more information on bulk fertilizer for your lawn care company. Minimum quantities required. So whether you're a homeowner, lawn care company, or just like digging around in the yard, go with the pros at Beatty's Fertilizer. 472-5491, 472-5491, and check them out at Beatty'sFertilizer.com. If you need any outdoor supplies, there's only one place to go, Sportsman's Warehouse. They have all the equipment you need, as well as a friendly, knowledgeable staff to assist you. If you want a firearm, then check out the thousands of guns they have on the shelf. If you don't see one you want, go to sportsmanswarehouse.com. Choose from over 6,700 models they have, and they will ship it directly to the store. Everyday low prices, no shipping charges, and no processing fees. Sportsman's Warehouse, the great indoors for those who love the great outdoors. Highway 153 and Lee Highway. Welcome back to Tony Sanders Outdoors. We're going to go straight to the phone. has got a phone call from George. We're going to talk to George here. Top line. Hey, George, how you doing? Hi, how are y'all this morning? Doing well, sir. Doing well. I've got two quick questions, hopefully, uh, if I could. The first sure. one has to do with snakes. Okay. Uh, last fall, I was in my bathroom, and I looked down the floor between the wall and the toilet, and there was about a 16-inch snake just right up against the baseboard. And uh, it was kind of an ivory color, and then on its back, it really had almost a diamond-shaped pattern that was a gray or gray and and darker gray color. And I caught it. I didn't have time to look it up right then. I caught it and put it in a jar and set a, a book on top of it. I thought I'd be good to go with that. When I came home, it was gone. So I never really got to try to figure out what it was. And look at it. Do you have any idea what that could have been? Oh, you know, there's there's a few different things it could be. Um, this is just a guess. My my hunch would be that it's probably uh, a gray rat snake. Um, but there's there's a few different snakes that kind of match that description. Um, so one thing I wanted to say, and I'm kind of glad that you brought this up. There's some great resources for identifying snakes. Um, I don't know if you're on social media or not, but uh, there's some some Facebook groups that can identify snakes for you within within seconds. I'm um, a moderator in one of these groups called Snake ID and Amphibians of the Appalachians. Um, and if if you go there, become a member of the group, and there's lots of different groups like this, and post post that picture you, you can have a correct identification within a few seconds um, yeah it's it's really pretty amazing um so it you know it's hard for me to say right offhand but it's it's uh it sounds to me like a rat snake but again that's just a guess yeah i, I didn't think it would be poisonous or anything although that that shape of that pattern on his back was a little disturbing but i know that the rattlesnakes are usually darker in color than that. Mm-hmm. It's usually. Uh, my... Go ahead. I'm sorry. That's all right. 
Um, no, so I was just going to say it's usually the non-venomous snakes that people find in their house. It's it's yeah. really uncommon for people to get copperheads or rattlesnakes in their house. It does happen from time to time, but it's usually the non-venomous, uh, you know, you know, yeah, non-venomous snakes typically. My other question is I turned 65 last October, and I've I've been buying my license for as long as I had to have one, and, and I'd registered online when I did it. And this year when it came up, my normal choices weren't there. I had, a, I guess, a senior choice. Yes, sir. Uh, and I was just wondering, it said supplements. I think it says something like supplements may be required. But I couldn't figure out if I had to buy uh, a trout stamp to go along with that. Uh, it depends. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to look up right now uh, the licensing, but if memory serves, I'm going to look this up during the break, and I uh, hope you'll keep listening, and I will try and answer this question. I know there is a senior citizen's license. When you turn 65, you get it at yeah. a discount. But I believe you still have to. It's it's just like the general hunting fishing combo, right? So you like would seven dollars if I remember right. correctly. But then you still have to buy if you want the Teleco daily permit. You have to buy that. You have to buy the trout stamp if you want that. You have to buy your deer tags if you want that. You have to buy your turkey tag if you want that. So it's just yeah, like I didn't, I didn't see a. I didn't. I saw the like. Calico stuff in there, right? But I didn't see the, like the trout supplement. Trout trout supplement is uh, zero two two. But it wasn't. It, it wasn't on. It wasn't available for purchase. It, it, it was. Yeah, it wasn't one of my choices. Huh? That's what had me confused. It said, and, and on there I had a elastic on the senior license. Yes, sir. And and I said, well. You know, I'll wait till Saturday and ask these guys. Y'all seem to usually. Well, uh, you picked a good day to call in about snakes, but you picked a bad day to talk about licenses because <laughs> Tony's not here. So you're batting 500, but let me look that up. I'm 90% sure. Um, the licensing is new uh, as far as the online, you know, buying it online. I, if I can't find the answer for you, I will get you a phone number. So if you keep listening, I will get you a phone number uh, to call uh, to where you can find out specifically uh, about that purchase of a license. Okay. Thank you so much. Enjoy your show. Thank you, sir. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, I'm going to be doing some research in the, in the, in the uh, break here. <laughs> I'm, I'm 90% sure, but i got to go look up the uh, – the hunting and fishing guide because if you go on to buy licenses on the new website uh it just all i can do is buy a license it doesn't give me the options so i gotta look at that uh but we were talking about uh snakes and stuff like that we were talking about the venom species the two we have here in east Tennessee. how they're not that common i mean they're out there don't get me wrong but they're every snake you see is not going to be you know a, a killer venomous you know Thing that's going to try and get you, but they are indigenous to our area. Um, I did have a question about the banded water snakes. Why are everyone I've come across has been, just been highly aggressive? I mean, just territory. I don't know if it's a territory thing or if they're just mean tempered to begin with. I'm thinking it's, they're just mean tempered to begin with. Why are they so aggressive? 
Or have you, have you been around them and handled them? Sure, sure. Yeah, so um, we typically, in, in my circles, we, we generally call them defensive because really what you're seeing there is, um, you know, they're, they're just terrified. And so they're, they're acting in, in a defensive way. Um, so they're, you know, they're not interested in necessarily chasing you down to, to bite you or anything because there's nothing in it for them. In fact, that would be, you know, to, to their own detriment. So, um, yeah, they're they're quick to bite if they feel threatened. Um, and yeah, you you get that with with um, with certain snakes. Um, so yeah, you know, they're 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 totally harmless. But it's it's essentially just that they're they're afraid for their life. Fair enough. I mean, you know, I might bite too if you know, <laughs> given the situation, somebody try and pick me up and handle me. Well. Well, it would depend on who it is, but, you know, I, you know, I might bite, too. So, sure. sure, I can understand that. Uh, George, I just looked up uh, the information. Uh, there is a annual resident senior citizen, which was the $5 one. You would need to buy a trout stamp with that. Uh, I don't know why you couldn't find that one. There's also a permanent senior citizen. Uh, it's available from any licensed agent for a one-time fee uh, of $50. So that's also another option. There's also a lifetime license, which would cover everything, all your deer tags and everything like that. Over the age of 65 is $329. What I would do is call uh, Region 3 and ask them about the licensing uh, problems that you were having. Uh, They are our region that uh, handles our area. I would call up to, uh, I think they're in Cookville. So uh, give them a call, and I'm looking for the number right now. Um, I will find that here in just a second. Uh, but, yeah, just call the TWRA uh, up in uh, Cook. Is it Cookville or Crossville? I can't remember. I think it's Cookville. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's Cookville. But, yeah, uh, Region 3, and, of course, they put it in sideways, is uh, give them a call toll-free, 1-800-624-624. 7406 1-800-624-7406 you can i'm not when, it, when everybody watches facebook and they see me looking like a puppy dog <laughs> turned you see that that is totally sideways i see it okay <laughs> so give them a call up there at the uh no i, re- I read your region two i'm sorry let's try region three i'm sorry i gave you the wrong number toll free number it's hard to read this uh 833-402 Four, six, nine, eight, four, zero, two, four, six, nine, eight. I think that's right. Uh, but yeah, just look them up and uh, give them a call, and they could probably walk you through the licensing process if you're having any issues like that. So uh, they're there to help you, and hopefully they can straighten out the situation and explain uh, how you walk you through the licensure process because I know it can get a little bit confusing online, especially with all the choices and the limiting choices. So uh, just be sure and give them a call. Put the put our good TWA to use. So with that, we're going to take our last break of this hour. We will return to amphibian and reptile talk when we come back. You're listening to Tony Sanders Outdoors. Leaves are turning. There's. 
Beatty's Fertilizer in Cleveland, Tennessee are the experts when it comes to lush green lawns. If you're a homeowner, Beatty's has everything you'll need for preparing and maintaining your lawn this spring. They can recommend products designed for this area and provide you with knowledge to have a lawn that is the envy of all your neighbors. If you're a lawn care company owner, Beatty's can formulate special blends for your customers by the pallet. Go to the pros at Beatty's Fertilizer, 472-5491, 472-5491, and check them out at Beatty'sFertilizer.com. Sportsman's Warehouse is a perfect place to shop for all your outdoor equipment. No matter the season, Sportsman's Warehouse friendly staff and knowledgeable experts can assist you in finding what you need for your adventure. If you're a hunter, angler, boater, hiker, camper, or need clothing or shoes, Sportsman's Warehouse has just what you need. If you're looking for a firearm, Sportsman's Warehouse has over a 1,000 guns in the store. Now, if you don't see one you want, you can go to sportsmanswarehouse.com and select from over 6,700 guns offered online. Then you can have it shipped directly to the store, everyday low prices, no shipping charges, and no processing fees. Don't forget to sign up and register for the Sportsman's Warehouse loyalty card. This will give you points towards gift cards and special promotions, as well as keeping you informed of upcoming events. Be sure to like them on Facebook for prizes, promotions, as well as things happening at the store. The place to shop for all your outdoor needs. Sportsman's Warehouse. The great indoors for those who love the great outdoors. Highway 153 and Lee Highway. Welcome back to Tony Sanders Outdoors. Talking about social media. John Daniel, appreciate it. Region 3 is in Crossville. It is in Crossville, not Cookville. I was incorrect. Thank you, John, for letting me know. I knew it was one of those C ones. I always get Cookville and Crossville mixed up. I never go up there, and when I'm, I never drive from Nashville to Knoxville, so I always get you hit one before the other, but depending on which way you're coming. Right. So, anyway, John, John Daniel, appreciate that. Thank you, sir. And, uh, George, I hope that uh, answers your information. Um, and if you do have any problems, uh, you can always go to a registered license agent. Uh, you can go down to Sportsman's Warehouse. Uh, I know they sell licenses, and the n- nice people down there can walk you through the process. If you want to buy it in person, um, you can always do that as well. Uh, I totally forgot. I'm, I'm used to doing it online myself, but if you, if you want, you can go down to Sportsman's. They'll set you up, um, and they'll get you all the stamps and tags and everything you need. Uh, plus the uh, senior citizen license. So, hope you get out and uh, George. Hope you get out and do a little fishing. So, but do it with your license. Don't go out without your license. Um, Tony Sanders outdoors cares. We don't want to see anybody go to jail. <clears throat> um, all right, we were talking about the uh, venomous species. Uh, we've had an influx of. I don't, well, they not normally indigenous, but let's say. Range-expanding animals, such as, uh, well, armadillos, to be specific. Mm-hmm. They're starting to show up in East Tennessee. You see them in West Tennessee, but they're, we're seeing more and more of them. They're expanding their range. Uh, what about the coral snake? Because I know they're primarily in Florida, South Georgia, South Alabama, parts of maybe maybe southern South Carolina, that area down there are they moving north and do we have to worry about them because they are a venomous species but there's also some other species that look very similar that mimic them that are perfectly harmless so coral snakes have very specific habitat requirements okay and uh we don't really have the type of habitat that they would require and so even if they were to start moving north, they, they could never establish themselves um, 
in in the Ridge and Valley eco region like we have here in East Tennessee. It's just uh, yeah, it just won't happen. Okay, what's the What's the one that looks like the coral snake that's that's somewhat common that everybody says, oh, it's poisonous, it's coral snake, it's going to kill me? So there's there's a few different. So with the red, yellow, and black, or red, white, and black, um, that you can that looks similar to what you see with coral snakes, there's a few different species that exhibit that type of um, mimicry. So the probably the most recognizable ones would be the um, scarlet king snake, and then scarlet snake, but even some of our milk snakes can have that red, yellow, black, or red, white, and black kind of um, color scheme, and it is a type of mimicry. They're you know essentially um, pretending pretending to be like they're more dangerous distant relatives. <laughs> they're big, big and bad. Look at my colors. Yeah. Don't touch me. That's right. Uh, now the coral snake that is not a pit viper. That is isn't it an asp or. It's so it's in the family Elapidae, which is the same family that includes things like cobras, um, and so coral snakes are our only elapid snake in in North America. The rest of our our venomous snakes um, are pit vipers. So the cottonmouth, copperhead, and all species of rattlesnake are pit vipers, right? Which is why they can be all treated with the same antivenom. They're all you know somewhat closely related. I did not know that they can treat all, all three of those with the same stuff. Mm-hmm. Learn something new every day. <laughs> I like that. What is, do you know? What? How do they get the anti venom? Do they actually take snakes and dilute the venom? And so I'm I'm not totally familiar with the whole process, but it is a modification on on venom that they they extract from snakes. And there's different facilities around uh, around the world in the United States that that does that. Yeah. Oh man. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. I do want to get into uh, some of the other species that uh, are in our area that uh, people may come across. So I want to talk a little bit about lizards because a lot of people catch a lot of fish on lizards. So I do want to talk about that. And uh, we'll be talking a whole bunch of other things. But if you had a question, we're going to go to our final break here, and we'll be back at the top of the hour. But give us a call, 267-1023, 267-1023. You're listening to Tony Sanders Outdoors. Don't stop that podcast now. That's only one half of the show. We'll be right back with the second half of Tony Sanders Outdoors. Tighten your life vest, wrap into your tree stand, and get ready for the award-winning Tony Sanders Outdoors. Your source for outdoor information, education, and entertainment. Now, here are your hosts, Tony Sanders and Rob Pratula. Welcome back to hour number two of Tony Sanders Outdoors. So glad you joined us this morning. Hopefully it's been a little bit interesting. Hopefully it's been educational and somewhat entertaining. Uh, Tony is working for the Tennessee Wildlife Resources Agency this week as a commissioner doing commissarial duties. Uh, there were a few things that were chatted about at the meeting. I got the press release. Um, let's see here. They are looking at the chronic wasting disease zones, and uh, they're looking at viable options to minimize the prevalence, uh, the minimize the chronic wasting disease. 
Uh, they've got a good plan in action, and they're going to keep doing what they're doing and keep gathering information. Uh, the Asian carp update was given, uh, citing that the commercial harvest is the most effective method in removing this invasive species. Uh, the carp incentive program, which began last fall, is continuing to grow and has resulted in 718,000 pounds removed to date. And supposedly, they're really good to eat. Um, they're serving them in, I believe, a college cafeteria somewhere out in West Tennessee. Uh, but big stuff. They fully funded and are working with uh, Ducks Unlimited to enhance some wetland areas in the Three Rivers Wildlife Management Area. They've given a lot of money to that, and they're working in uh, conjunction with Ducks Unlimited to get more opportunities for people to hunt in that area. Uh, they're also trying to provide more opportunities for everybody to get out there. They're trying to increase the number of anglers in the state. So be looking for some youth programs that will be coming out in the future. Uh, the newly appointed commissioners attending their first meeting are Jimmy Granberry out of Nashville, Steve Jones out of Clinton, Tennessee, Jim Ripley out of Kodak, Thomas Woods out of Piney Flat, and Hank Wright out of Collierville. So gentlemen, welcome to the Tennessee Wildlife Resources Agency Commission. The next meeting is going to be May 23rd and May 24th in Nashville, Tennessee at the TWA headquarters at Ellington Agricultural Center. But they had a very full agenda. Uh, there was some other stuff they talked about, too. A lot going on right now. And uh, your representative, Tony Sanders, was up there working hard this week. So everybody call in uh, next week and thank him for his service to the state. You know, he gets paid big bucks to do that, don't you? That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. No, he doesn't get anything. <laughs> they, they barely cover his travel. So anyway. Oh, uh, <laughs> great to have in the house. Paul Eric Backlund, our resident herpetologist. So if you have a uh, question about reptiles, amphibians, anything along those lines, give us a call, 267-1023, 267-1023. I did not go over the calendar of events, so I'm going to do that right now. Coming up tonight, tonight, the Cleveland State Community College is having a banquet for the Cleveland State Natural Resources Program. Doors open at 430 up in Cleveland. $10 donation is suggested. They've got a lot of great stuff and items up there. $10 suggested. Give them 20 because this is a really great group. They do a whole lot. They came out to the uh, Wounded Warriors hunt, and they cleaned all the deer but then looked at them biologically, so they got to do a lot of biological sampling, and the kids got to learn about the biology of a deer. And it, it it's just a really, really great program. That's going to be happening up at Cleveland State Community College. Again, doors open at 4.30. Uh, May 4th, May 4th, Sportsman's Warehouse Dream Tournament is going to be out of Chester Frost Park. It will be at Safe Light. Tony and I will be broadcasting live from the water. We will be, you will hear the water lapping up against the microphones if we're not careful. Uh, June 1st, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation Banquet is going to be at Alhambra Shrine. Doors open at 5 p.m. And on July 20th, Friends of the NRA, their banquet's coming up, and it's going to be at the Westin at 5 p.m. So check that out as well. That's always a great, great banquet. There are limited amounts of tickets. So if you want to go to the NRA banquet at the Westin, you need to book early to avoid disappointment because once, once time has come, the doors are shut. End of story, period. So don't be left out in the cold on that one. So that's what's coming up on the Outdoor Calendar. Got a question for you, sir. We were talking, uh, and this is for our producer. 
I was going to ask it, but I ran out of time last hour. We were talking about in, in invasive species that are expanding their, not necessarily invasive, they may be indigenous someplace, but species that are expanding their range. And we now have alligators in West Tennessee, confirmed by the TWRA, we've got gators. Sure. Biggins. Where else are they? Are they... Are they going to come? Everybody wants to know. Are we going to be having to lock, you know, watch it when we lock through at Chickamauga because of all the alligators? Well, it's it's unlikely anytime soon, uh, you know. And if if that did ever happen, that would be a situation where um, they would be released by somebody, um, either intentionally or unintentionally. Um, but right now, just climatically, we're not really suitable for it. Um, and, and they're not going to establish themselves here on their own. There's not really, a, you know, they can travel up the Mississippi, and, and that's probably, you know, why, why we have them in West Tennessee there. But there's not really, you know, an easy mechanism for them to make it to East Tennessee on their own. Unless they go over land, and, and, and that's right. going to take them several, several centuries because <laughs> they are rather slow, all things considered. <laughs> uh, but you said they have them down in Huntsville? Yeah, there there are some in Huntsville, and I, I don't remember exactly what the story was there, but I think it's thought that they were introduced there by people as well. But, they yeah, they're absolutely established and are breeding. Oh, that's that's not good. <laughs> that's not good for Huntsville. Uh, are there any uh, – I, I put on here – I've seen – we've done a couple of stories about truly invasive species, things that don't belong here. Down in Florida, they're catching these pythons that are – measured literally in feet like 12 14 16 even i think the one they the last one i reported on was an 18 foot python down in florida how did what happened and how how did that happen well yeah that that is a real problem so there's there's a few different ideas behind that um one of them being when hurricane andrew came through back in the 90s um it it destroyed a few reptile breeding facilities and a lot of things got loose. And so that's one of the proposed mechanisms of how these things kind of got um, released down there. But another issue is um, people just release them once they get too big. So they'll, they'll take in a snake as a pet and then, you know, it gets to a certain size where they have to have an enclosure about the size of this room for it and it's expensive to feed and so they just get tired of keeping it and so they let it go. Uh, if somebody was to try that in Tennessee, by the time winter rolled around, it would it would die. But in Florida, it's it's suitable habitat, so they're able to establish themselves. And because they're they're such successful animals in that ecosystem, they outcompete all the native stuff. And and so there's there's not really any mechanisms in place, natural mechanisms in place to control their population. So they've really just exploded um, within the last few years. It's it's an issue. And I mean, I think that's a good indicator of things that that can go wrong. Like we've got our we've got the Asian carp invasion right now. So I mean, you know, there was uh, fish farms, floods. They get into a river system, and, and it's just perfect habitat, and they take over. So I think you know, seeing that as a warning is is it's bad that it's happening, but you know, it it does make us wake up. I mm-hmm. uh, got a text from a friend of mine, and I totally forgot about this because I'm not going. Uh, but today. Down in Blue Ridge, Georgia, they will be having Blue Ridge Trout Fest. It is a huge event down there. It's going to be today from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. There are uh, all kinds of 
sponsors, schedules. Uh, they're going to have presenters. They're going to have fly tying demonstrations, casting demonstrations, uh, how-to demonstrations, how-not-to demonstrations probably. <laughs> Those are always the best, I think. Don't do this. Uh, but they're going to have a lot of vendors down there, Trout Unlimited, uh, a whole bunch of people are going to be out there. North Georgia, uh, Trout Online, uh, several of our good guide friends will be down there, including uh, Joe DiPietro. And I, I know a lot of our local Trout Unlimited members are going to be down there. So that's today in Blue Ridge, Georgia. If you're looking for something to do, head on down to Blue Ridge, Georgia from 10 to 5. Actually, make it 10 to 2 and leave time to drive home to go to the uh, Cleveland State Banquet tonight. So that's what you – I've planned your day for you. You're welcome. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, talking about uh, – I want to talk about – there's two things. We hear a lot about salamanders. Uh, some people call them spring lizards, stuff like that. And because you're a resident herpetologist, um, I'm going to go ahead and ask you and put you on the spot because this answer, you know, will provide a lot of information to our anglers. Why do fish eat so many salamanders? I mean, is it just, I mean, a lot of guys throw little salamander patterns, uh, rubber uh, plastic salamanders or plastic lizards, and they really do well with those on large bass. Is it just because they are in the water and are uh, are they matching the hatch? Is that what they're doing because they're, they are here? Is that why they're eating them? Well, you know, I think the, you know, the maybe textbook biology answer there is that, you know, they, they have co-evolved, they evolved together. And so they've, they've been eating them presumably as long as they've been, you know, in the same habitat together. So, yeah, they, they see them as, as an attractive food source and, and they're, you know, high, high in calories, probably more so than you would get with insects. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great food source for fish, for sure. So you're recommending that everybody use a plastic lizard this weekend that's what you're saying sure <laughs> we're gonna get calls i can tell you no i'm just kidding i'm just kidding well, uh when i when we were talking about uh when i was calling you to make sure everything was cool for you coming on the show you said there was how many species of salamander in tennessee there was like some astronaut astronomical number yeah so we've got um about 58 species of salamanders and and Globally, we're considered a, a biodiversity hotspot for salamanders, southern Appalachians. It's it's really pretty amazing, and that number is likely to go up um, in the next few years as we do some more genetic analysis and, and determine that there's um, there's there's likely many more species than that. Um, but yeah, it's it's amazing. So you know, as far as um, diversity of herp species, salamanders um, really take the cake in Tennessee. That's just amazing that we've got that many species. Yeah. Are the, now, let me ask, are, have there been any, you're, you have your finger on the pulse of all things reptilian and amphibian as an educator. Have there been any new discoveries in the last few years that have, you know, we, we had a new species of fish uh, documented a couple of years ago here in Tennessee, about two years ago, a very small darter, but it had not been discovered. Are, are they discovering new reptiles and new amphibians frequently um <clears throat> so in certain places in the world yeah absolutely in this region it doesn't happen as often um and and largely the way it happens is through genetic analysis and so we'll find these populations um that we thought were one species and then once we start looking at them genetically it turns out that they're something else even though they're 
morphologically, you know, kind of superficially identical to what we'd see everywhere else. Um, but every now and then, you know, they'll they'll discover something that had has is totally new to science. Um, so I think I don't remember when it was, maybe 2005 or 2008. There was a, a new species of salamander that was discovered in in North Georgia called the patchnose salamander, um, and that kind of made waves in the community. It was a really exciting thing. Oh, I'm sure it was finding a whole new species. Mm-hmm. Now you're headed down for to Costa Rica. You said that's right. You're you're going on your honeymoon for ten years, mm-hmm. and taking the wife. I'm assuming she puts up with your passion of. Reptile. She's not going to spend ten days in the jungle living in a tent, is she? No, she's not. Okay, uh, I've I've tried to talk her into that, but I think we're going to have to spend some time on the beach. <laughs> okay, we'll talk a little bit more about your trip down there when we get back from this break. You're listening to Tony Sanders Outdoors. If you want to give us a call, two six seven one zero two three. We will be right back. It sits above the mantle. On a couple rusty nails And it's worth a bunch of money Sportsman's Warehouse is a perfect place to shop for all your outdoor equipment. No matter the season, Sportsman's Warehouse friendly staff and knowledgeable experts can assist you in finding what you need for your adventure. If you're a hunter, angler, boater, hiker, camper, or need clothing or shoes, Sportsman's Warehouse has just what you need. If you're looking for a firearm, Sportsman's Warehouse has over a thousand guns in the store. Now, if you don't see one you want, you can go to sportsmanswarehouse.com and select from over 6,700 guns offered online. Then you can have it shipped directly to the store, everyday low prices, no shipping charges, and no processing fees. Don't forget to sign up and register for the Sportsman's Warehouse loyalty card. This will give you points towards gift cards and special promotions, as well as keeping you informed of upcoming events. Be sure to like them on Facebook for prizes, promotions, as well as things happening at the store. The place to shop for all your outdoor needs. Sportsman's Warehouse. The great indoors for those who love the great outdoors. Highway 153 and Lee Highway. Welcome back to Tony Sanders Outdoors. Here come the ducks, hit the hop. Been talking some reptiles, some amphibians. Now we're talking out of the country. You're headed out with your lovely wife. Yes, sir. Who's not going to spend 10 days in the jungle. She wants at least some beach time. That's right. So I'm assuming you're going to get to indulge your passion a little bit. Yeah. What are you looking to do down there? Well, you know, it's it's uh, it's truly a vacation, so we, we have to compromise. Like I said, you know, if it was up to me, we'd spend 100% of the time in the jungle looking for snakes. And and, uh, and she still married you. Can you believe it? Oh, no, I can. Yeah, my wife puts up with my fishing. So, yeah, go ahead. So it, we'll do a little bit of that. Um, and, of course, you know, the biodiversity down there is just crazy, not just with amphibians and reptiles, but the birds are amazing. And there's, there's you know, several species of monkeys, lots of amphibians. Other interesting mammals, lingos, agoutis, sloths, and so she's excited. She likes wildlife too, so she's excited to see all of that stuff as well. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll spend a good bit of time hiking around in the jungle, and then a good bit of time laying on the beach and relaxing. That sounds like a great vacation. Yeah, I can't wait. You put in all that work at the college. You deserve a vacation, yeah. <laughs> sir. Well, thank you. It's it's our ten year anniversary, so we, we're splurging on this one. Hey, congratulations! Ten years. That's really great. Thank you. Uh, we were talking, uh, I brought up a couple of species that were uh, down in that area. What about uh, 
I just thought of another one. We were talking about the Bushmaster, which you said was the largest, one of the largest, if not the largest, pit viper. Mm-hmm. And I've actually seen one of those in captivity, not in not in the wild, but that's a massive. How would you describe it? I'm thinking like a 16 to 18 foot snake with a big uh, arrow shaped head. Yeah, so I I don't know that they get quite that big, but um, yeah, they're they're definitely very beefy. And you know, one one thing that's kind of interesting about them is their scale. They they have a very bumpy appearance, and so it's almost more like you know the osteoderms that you'd see on like a an alligator or crocodile rather than like typical snake scales. They're it's almost bead like. Um, so yeah, these really like raised scales, but yeah, they're they're an impressive snake. What about sure. uh? You're going down to Costa Rica, and the first thing I thought, obviously, was fishing. I know there's a lot of great species to catch down there. Do you know, and, and this is, I'm going to put you on the spot now. Sure. Uh, do you know anything about sea snakes? I, yeah, I don't know uh, as much about sea snakes as I wish I did, but, yeah, there there's some um, some sea snakes down there for sure. Hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember what the species is that washes up on the beach every now and then down there. It's It's yellow with some black on it. They're, um, they're venomous, though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and some some of them are extremely venomous. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, also off the air, we were talking about why cottonmouths haven't made it into East Tennessee. They are in West Tennessee. They are established, and yes, they're out there, and I, and they are in Arkansas. From the picture that I showed you of me trying to get the fly back from a cottonmouth that decided to eat my fly, but you just told me a very interesting fact about them. Yeah, so weirdly enough, and and I guess maybe it's not that weird, but uh, cottonmouths are are documented, I think, in in every county in Alabama, and so it almost seems a little strange that we don't have them in East Tennessee. Um, but I think what that really comes down to is we have this, you know, pretty hard break in the types of ecosystems. So as you as you move into Tennessee, you know, we start get and and in northwest Georgia too, we start moving into this ridge and valley ecoregion, which just for some reason doesn't seem to be suitable to cottonmouths. And so I'll say this, um, West Tennessee uh isn't the only place in Tennessee that we have cottonmouths. So there there is um there is a couple of small disjunct populations in middle Tennessee. But if you go up to these places, what you'll find is that the type of habitat uh, is not like the surrounding habitat. It very much looks like a place that you would associate with cottonmouths, with the big cypress trees, very swampy, kind of low-lying areas. And so with these, you know, these kind of outlier populations, that's what you find is, is that you have these relic habitats that were left over from a time, you know, long gone by. And... Uh, yeah, we just don't really have that in East Tennessee, so they're they're not likely to really ever establish here, or at least not anytime soon. Golly gee darn, we won't have a venomous water snake in our area. <laughs> I'm so upset. I hope you can tell. I'm just glad they're not here, seriously, because <laughs> as much as I'm on the water, it's, the, the banded water snakes are enough for me. Thank you <laughs> very much. I will just leave it at that. Um, we'll talk a little bit about uh, and tap your knowledge. I have seen these on. I've seen two in my fishing career. Hellbenders. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another name for them, and I've always called them hellbenders. Sure. Uh, they're a weird looking animal. Yeah. What do you know about hellbenders? 
So yeah, the, the, you're right. They, there is a couple different names for them. Hellbender, I think, is the uh, the accepted common name for them. But some some other things you'll hear them called sometimes are um, uh, snot otter, which is one that I think is kind of funny. Snot otter, snot Love otter, it. or old lasagna sides because they you know on, yeah. on the sides of their body they've got these you know these wrinkly skin folds. Um, but they're North America's largest salamander. Um, they have very specific habitat requirements and uh they're they're very sensitive to changes in their their environment as well so we have them in in the Hiawassee and Ocoee um, and they used to be in a lot more river systems but as we've modified those through time or they've um, you know we've lost some of the riparian zone or they've become polluted um, we've lost many of these populations that we used to have so they're they're fairly sensitive species um, but they can get you know two feet long they they eat crayfish um, but they essentially need fairly wide, uh, shallow, fast-flowing, cool streams with large rocks. Those are kind of the you know the habitat requirements, and there's just not as many of those around as there used to be. Right, and the one and the ones that are around, um, you know, they're primarily in trout streams, which is probably why I've seen I've seen two in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. I, but I mean, I've considered it rare. The first time I saw one, I was like, "Good golly, what is that?" I thought it was a honestly a piece of moss that was going upstream for a second. I thought, wait a second, moss doesn't swim upstream, and it was just moving along slow. It was probably about eight to ten inches, but I could tell it was some sort of salamander. And I went home and looked it up. Uh, we just had a caller call in here just a second ago. He said he killed a cottonmouth by Enterprise South in 2011. Okay. Um. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We got that. Well. Um. Does he have a photo? I don't know. <laughs> he called in, and I guess he didn't want to go on. That's fine. That's fine. But uh, the message we got here, he said he killed one in Enterprise South. But You know, I, I hear that kind of thing from time to time, and then when when I receive a photo, if a photo was taken, it's it's almost always, you know, our northern or midland water snake. Um, yeah, we just we don't have them here. It, it, we, people commonly misidentify our, our water snakes as cottonmouths. <laughs> they are they are very very similar, they are very similar. So we're going to take a break. We will be right back. If you got a call, if you got a call, if you want to give us a call, or if you got a call, give us a call two six seven one zero two three. Ask any questions to our resident herpetologist. You're listening to Tony Sanders. We will be right back. Last year we had a bumper crop when them white oak acorns started to drop. So many I twisted my ankle walking to the stand. Are you a member of the National Rifle Association? If not, why? No other organization in this country fights for your rights like the NRA. In the current environment, our rights under the Second Amendment are being attacked every day. While we in the South may feel comfortable, that is not the case all across America. The NRA is taking up the fight for you, and you need to be a part. Join the over 5 million men, women, and children who are members of the NRA. Go to TonySandersOutdoors.com and click on the Join NRA link. Don't wait too late. Beatty's Fertilizer in Cleveland, Tennessee are the experts when it comes to lush green lawns. If you're a homeowner, Beatty's has everything you'll need for preparing and maintaining your lawn this spring. They can recommend products designed for this area and provide you with knowledge to have a lawn that is the envy of all your neighbors. If you're a lawn care company owner, Beatty's can formulate special blends for your customers by the pallet. Go to the pros at Beatty's Fertilizer, 472-5491, 472-5491, and check them out at Beatty'sFertilizer.com. 
Like a good neighbor is not just a saying. It exactly describes my friend, Rodney Allen. For nearly 20 years, my family has relied on Rodney for all of our insurance needs. He's been there when my kids were learning to drive, when my wife had been hit by a few deer, and when I needed life insurance to protect my family, as well as when my grandson was born. As you can see, he's not just our agent. He's part of our life. Rodney Allen, 423-847-3881. Like a good friend, Rodney will be there for your family too. 423-847-3881. Welcome back to Tony Sanders Outdoors. Going to go directly to the phone here. Is this Senator Mike Bell? Hey, good morning. How are you? Doing well, Senator. How about yourself, sir? I'm, I'm doing great. I heard the just got in the truck. I'm starting my rounds today and, and heard this discussion. Wanted to know if your guests had ever heard the hellbenders referred to as mud puppies. That's what we called them growing up. Yeah, so it, nice to talk to you, by the way. Thanks for calling in. Yeah. Um, so I have to heard that um, that name before um, in reference to hellbenders. We do actually have some native salamanders that the official common name is mud puppy, so it's a little confusing. Um, so you know, that, and that's why in in the you know the herpetology, the scientific part of that world, we we like to try to stick with uh, the scientific oh. names. But um, yeah, mud puppy is something that is 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 a name that's that's you know, somewhat commonly used to refer to hellbenders. Um, but it's it's kind of confusing because we do have some some other salamanders that are truly mud puppies. Okay. Well, and, and we used to catch, and I'm assuming it was a hellbender. Maybe it wasn't, but we used to catch a, a very large salamander, sometimes, you know, a foot, foot and a half long in Candy's Creek in Bradley County growing up. They may not be there anymore, um, but we used to catch them there. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, if, if they're that, were they kind of a thick sort of flat um yes. brown brownish color yeah it sounds like it sounds like a hellbender for sure exactly yeah um and especially but, with that size yeah but but that's been uh goodness i'm 56 that's been 40 45 years ago okay uh, that, that we used to catch them like that and and the uh the, the snake story my my father raised me uh to uh you know to learn how to catch snakes and to tell the difference between uh, venomous and non-venomous, and and I can even remember as a kid these stories that would come out of Parksville Lake or or the Okoye River about people falling in and getting bit thirty times before they could get out by, by cottonmouth. <laughs> I can remember my, my, my dad. My dad um, he raised me with a, a, a healthy dose of skepticism, and he would I, he could he would always tell those people that um, listen. For every cottonmouth you bring me, I'll give you a hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. He never had a cottonmouth brought to him, um, and it's it, it's almost I, I compare it to the stories of uh, black panthers and mountain lions. Oh sure, you know people people just refuse to believe, um, or people want to believe that they're in this area so bad that they'll that they will uh, put credence in any story that somebody tells them. Absolutely, uh, that that they they pulled a cottonmouth out of. Uh, out of a waterway we were fishing one time on the um, on the duck river right there at, i believe it's uh, uh courtner's mill kettner's mill on the duck river right, right where the mill. waterfall is yes sir no we well. had a uh, yeah we had a um, little eight or ten year old boy with us who was a friend of my uh a friend of my son and he he also was a little snake catcher loved to catch him and he caught one of the banded water snakes and there were about five or six adults you would have thought somebody had thrown a grenade 
uh, <laughs> uh, next, next to the bank because when that boy came out of that uh, water with this water snake that was about two feet long, but it is a thick-bodied water snake, and people look at it, and they think it's a cottonmouth. Mm-hmm. Everybody scattered, and they told him to drop it, and then we were kept, we kept trying to tell him, listen, that's not a cottonmouth. That is a regular old household variety water snake. And other than he would hurt you if he bit you, you wouldn't you wouldn't be poisoned if he bit you. And uh, it's just interesting to hear those stories. Uh, growing up in the outdoors, growing up um, with my dad, showing me from a young kid what is poisonous, what's not poisonous. Uh, you know, ca- catching snakes has, has been something I've been doing a long time. Uh, Senator, I was going to ask you, talking about catching things, do you have any uh, noodling trips set up in the near future? Uh, I hope so. That's that's going to start about June. In fact, I was working on the lake yesterday in my in my job, and I was looking at a couple of uh, boat ramps that were uh, that were close to the house where I was looking, wondering if those might be good holes for a catfish come June, uh, come June, July. All right. So yes, I, I plan on going again. So you're you're going to try and get Tony out this year then? Oh, I'd love to get Tony out this year. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll go ahead and throw him under the bus because he's not here. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and uh, I'll schedule that uh, as his handler. I'll go ahead and schedule that for you. <laughs> well, you know, there's a and I cannot remember his name, but there's another gentleman that works for the agency who uh, comes to Watch Bar every year and goes. Uh, in fact, several people who work for the uh, wildlife agency come to Watch Bar and go grabbing each year. And uh, we should get Tony together and do a do a big trip one day and bring a camera along. I I I will provide the camera for that. I would I, I've got the, that would be Facebook gold. So <laughs> it would be it would be. Senator, so, great uh, to talk to you, sir. Enjoying the talk. Thank you, All sir. Right. Bye. Thanks. That was Senator Mike Bell, uh, consummate outdoorsman. Hunted with him on a couple occasions. Really great guy. Very that, cool. Does, very cool. Does a lot. Does a lot for sportsmen in Tennessee. Does a does a whole lot for sportsmen in Tennessee. So glad to have him on our Senate. Uh, we're still talking about, you know, snakes and stuff like that. And is there anything you want to get out there? That any anything that you've noticed lately in our reptilian, amphibian world? Hmm. Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, you know, there. I I could talk all day about this stuff. It's 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 narrowing down the topics <laughs> that are are relevant and interesting to our listeners here. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 hard to say. I mean, um. I don't. I don't have anything specifically. Okay. <laughs> well, um, we've talked about uh, some of the snakes, but the majority of snakes. Let's just go ahead and get this on record. The majority of snakes you come across are non-venomous. It's it's actually rare to come across a venomous snake. Yeah, you almost have to be looking for them to find them, and even if you are looking for them, you may not find them, which is frustrating to me because I am looking for them, and I have I have trouble finding them sometimes. Uh, yeah, copperheads. You basically won't see those unless you're you're out hiking around at night. Um, they tend to be mostly nocturnal, and rattlesnakes just uh, they're not as common as they used to be, and they they blend in well. They're they're trying to um, avoid detection. They don't want to be seen. All right, well that's some good information right there. Go to the phones. Hey, Mark, how are you this morning, sir? Pretty good, pretty good. Growing up in. Uh... Andrews in Murphy, North Carolina, for a few years around the streams and stuff. My brother got chased and bit by a banded water snake. They're more aggressive than a cottonmouth, for one. That's what I've but always said. Co- Go ahead. No, that's exactly what I say. I've, I've, I find them highly aggressive. 
And they're not as thick in the body as a cottonmouth, are they? No, they, they tend to be more slender. They they tend to be more slender. Um, and and this is maybe just a minor distinction, but the the water snakes that we have in in this area and, and up near Murphy, that would be the northern water snake. Um, we do have banded water snakes um, in the region, but but not really in East Tennessee and, and okay. part of North Carolina. Now, the cottonmouth is still a pit viper with its traditional triangular shaped head. It is, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's one way to tell them apart if you'll stop and look long enough to see that the the water snake has got the more traditional non-pit viper head. Well, so head shape can be somewhat misleading because, uh, you know, m- most non-venomous snakes can articulate or, or change the shape of their head as a defense mechanism. You'll see them kind of flatten out their head, and it will take on a triangular shape. Um, and so it's really a good idea to use multiple characteristics to identify a snake. You don't really want to rely on just one thing. Um, and a lot of it is just thing per- is to leave them alone. Absolutely, that's the best policy. Is is just just let them let them be. All right, thank you, fellas. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate you calling in. We are up to our final break. We've given out a lot of great information today. This has been really great. Yeah, it's Appreciate been fun. You. You're listening to Tony Sanders Outdoors. We will be right back. Beatty's Fertilizer in Cleveland, Tennessee are the experts when it comes to lush green lawn. If you're a homeowner, Beatty's has everything you'll need for preparing and maintaining your lawn this spring. They can recommend products designed specifically for this area and provide you with the knowledge to have the lawn that will be the envy of all your neighbors. Don't go buy a bag of something that may or may not work from a big box store. Beatty's has years of local knowledge and knows what will work in this area. Trust the local experts in fertilizer to assist you with your lawn. Make your neighbors really jealous. Call Beatty's. If you're a lawn care company owner or are on a landscaping group, Beatty's can formulate special blends for your customers by the pallet. Your customers will be happy with the great results, and so will you. Call Beatty's for more information on bulk fertilizer for your lawn care company. Minimum quantities required. So whether you're a homeowner, lawn care company, or just like digging around in the yard, go with the pros at Beatty's Fertilizer. 472-5491, 472-5491, and check them out at Beatty'sFertilizer.com. Welcome back to Tony Sanders Outdoors. Wrapping it up on this Saturday morning. Tony will be back in the studio next Saturday. So be sure and join us for that. Paul, Eric, I appreciate you coming in today. Oh, thanks for having me. It was always interesting to have you in, and uh, it's always great to get a lot of people calling in and asking great questions. So I hope you had some fun this morning getting up so early. Absolutely. We really appreciate you coming in. If you're looking for something to do today and you don't want to go around catching snakes, which is probably, is that what you're going to do when you get out of here? I'm going to try. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> uh, if you don't want to catch some snakes, head on down to uh, Blue Ridge, Georgia. They are having the Blue Ridge Trout Fest down there. There's going to be a whole lot of vendors. I'm looking at this. That's going on from 10 to 5 today down in Blue Ridge, Georgia. <laughs> Apparently, I just went up north, and it's Georgia. <whistles> Georgia. There's a whole bunch of vendors of uh, Lots of great food. I'm just looking at some of the food they got. They got uh, all kinds of ve- food vendors, all kinds of uh, retail vendors, all kinds of outfitters. So if you want to check that out, head on down to Blue Ridge, Georgia today from 10 to 5. And then this evening, head on up to Cleveland State Community College for the Cleveland State Center for Natural Resources Program. They're going to be having a banquet, all kinds of great things up there. Doors open at 430 at Cleveland State Community College. 
$10 suggested donation, make it 20 because this is a really great group. They do a lot for the sportsmen, and uh, it really helps these kids learn and, and, and participate in programs where they have to travel. So that's going on tonight at Cleveland State Community College. Coming up on May 4th, the Sportsman's Warehouse Dream Tournament. That's going to be out of Chester Frost Park at Safe Light. Tony and I will be broadcasting live from the banks of the beautiful Tennessee River right there at the boat ramp. Then on June 1st, uh, the Rocky Mountain Elk Banquet is going to be held at Alhambra Shrine. Doors open at 5 p.m. Check out Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation online for more information. And then on July 20th, the Friends of the NRA is having their banquet at the Westin. Doors open at 5 p.m. There are a limited number of seats, so book now to avoid disappointment. This is one of the best banquets of the year the Friends of the NRA, and it's going to be going back to the Westin, which was a wonderful venue last year. So that's what's going on in the outdoor world. All right, so if we're wrapping it up, we didn't get time to get into the turtles. We talked a little bit off air about uh, our species of turtles that, uh, that are common. And you said how many were in Tennessee? Sixteen. Sixteen different species of turtle here. We, we've just got a variety of amphibians and reptiles i mean we are a hot spot but i think we're you know we need to end it saying you know enjoy them but leave them alone <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely my my goal is is to you know inspire people to appreciate them and and recognize their place in the ecosystem and yeah give give them their space they they belong where they are and and doing what they're doing is is important in uh, a properly functioning ecosystem and you, you gave me a statistic off air that the majority of envenomations are from, or what's the what's the category of envenomations? So it's it's almost always somebody that's either trying to capture or kill a venomous snake, and then it's it's largely um, males between the ages of eighteen and twenty five, um, and typically intoxicated. <laughs> eighteen to twenty five, had a few beers. Hey, let's go catch some snakes. What could go wrong? <laughs> right. Okay, so don't be stupid. <laughs> right. Don't be stupid. And if you are being stupid, be sure and film it because we need more idiot outdoor <laughs> stories on Tony Sanders Outdoors. <laughs> um, we didn't get to much else, but uh, the snakes are starting to move. Like I said, we're in turkey season, so, you know, just be aware of them. And, you know, they like you said, they do have their place in the ecosystem. Um. Pretty much, if you see one, enjoy it, and just other than that, just you know, let it be. Is 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 that that pretty much what we're going for? Right. Walk around it. They they want nothing to do with you. They're not going to chase you down to bite you. Um, yeah, they they just want to do their thing. Awesome, awesome. Well, we've got uh, just a few seconds left, so I really appreciate you coming on again. I hope you'll come back. I hope we can talk some turtles next time. Love to. Awesome, Paul Eric. Backlund, resident herpentologist for Tony Sanders Outdoors. Threw you under the bus a few times. You handle <laughs> it like a pro. You're listening to Tony Sanders Outdoors. Join us next week for more outdoor information, education, and entertainment. Walking in the woods, you can bet I'd be sitting pretty good high on a hill, looking at a field downwind. If I can make a nickel off of turning in bass. Never worry about the price of gas. I've been wheeling and dealing and sitting there reeling them in. Hunting, fishing, loving every day. That's the prayer that a country boy prays. Thank God he made me.
You have been listening to the podcast of the award-winning Tony Sanders Outdoor Show. Please subscribe to our service to get updated shows weekly throughout the year. Like us on all the social medias to keep up with what's going on on Tony Sanders Outdoors.